The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're coming to you from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We're so thrilled and excited to be with you today. We've got a big, big show for you. In fact, it's so big that I know normally on Monday we do jargon of the day, and we do the question of the day and the topic of the day, and we don't even have time today because we've got so much going on for you. So Traven's showing you some of the different ways that you connect, can connect and some of the different ways that you can watch the show and some of the different ways that you can write in with your questions, comments, concerns, right? I want to remind you while he's doing that, that our homepage is autism-live.com. When you go, there's so many things to do. You can go through our whole library of videos. You can search topics, find what you want, what makes you happy. You know we're all about information and inspiration. And I've got those for you here today because we're going to start out the show today uh, with Bonnie Yates, special education attorney, Bonnie Yates. She's going to give you some information, right? And then we're going to switch gears in the second half of the show. We've got a wonderful guest, Erica Milsom from Pixar is going to be with us and she's going to provide the inspiration y'all because she is the director of a new film that is out on Disney Plus. It's called Loop. It is a short and we believe we're reporting here because we can't find anything else where a lead character even in a short film uh, never before has it been done but in her film Loop the uh, one of the lead characters is a uh, we're saying nonverbal nonvocal uh, I know a lot of people say nonverbal in this case it's I'm not sure uh, <laughs> nonverbal nonvocal but she is and it's a woman uh, a young woman, but I know so many of you have been asking for that. Well, it's here. It is here. Erica is the director of this really lovely film that uh, I had an opportunity to see with an audience. It, very moving. The film alone is moving, but to see it with an audience of individuals who are either on the spectrum or the people who love them, man, it was moving. So we're so excited that we have the opportunity to have her with us to be talking about that uh, really wonderful film that you can be watching on Disney Plus now. So uh, I hope you'll take the opportunity to do that and stick around for that interview with her because she's amazing. I saw her film and then she stayed for a talk back and, and answered questions, which was really wonderful. And then afterwards, uh, you know, we'll talk about it later, but she was brilliant. She was brilliant, and you know how people, are. they come, they do things, but then to watch them interact, and sometimes they just don't have the time, they don't have the patience, whatever. No, this woman, real deal. Real deal, she was so amazing with all of our young people, young adults and kiddos on the spectrum. She was super awesome. 
Uh, I, I was impressed, let us say that. So that will be the second half hour. So we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back first with Bonnie Yates, and then stick around, because Pixar, you guys, doesn't get better than that. Erica Milsom, director of the film Loop. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Autism Live. We have Bonnie Yates joining us right now on Skype. We're thrilled to have her. She is joining us from a wonderful law firm that I'm going to ask her to tell us about. Welcome, Bonnie. Good morning. How's everybody doing this week? We're, great. We're better, better for you being here. How's that? Uh, I hope everybody's getting over this horrible uh, cold. It's, it's been the most miserable thing. So, uh, Bonnie, tell them... I would just say before I tell them what I'm supposed to tell them, it's really hard to be a sick parent taking care of children. Yes. It's just, you know, it's like on top of the regular special ed hustle. So thinking about all you moms that are, you know, you'll find your way. It's just one step in front of another. So I'm from Tolner Law Offices. We have offices in San Jose, El Segundo, and um, Irvine, and... You can find us on the web at Tolner Law Offices. And um, if you're in Northern or Southern California and you want a complimentary consultation, there's a way that you can fill out the sheet right on the website. We'll get that set up for you. We're not giving legal advice on this program. We're giving advice about the IDEA and other important statutes so that you can better understand your legal position. And if you need advocacy, for a specific problem, um, we highly recommend that you talk to an attorney in your state. And um, I refer you to COPA, Council of Parents and Attorneys and Advocates, copaa.net, if you're outside of California and you need an attorney. So I thought it would be fun quickly before we meet um, about the question that the um, listener sent in. That's a very meaty question. I thought I would just talk about a little bit about the attorneys in the firm um, because I'm getting to know them and they're all you know really estimable individuals who bring different things to the practice and so um, what I wanted to do is refer everybody to the bio page if you go to the the page where it says about our attorneys you'll see there's a profile for each attorney uh, David Tolner, uh, Jim Sibley, Sarah Fairchild, Amanda O'Neill, Joshua Cruz, Mark uh, Wojciechowski, uh, and Devin Brothers. And what, I'm, what I want the audience to do, if people are listening, I want you to go on and I want you to read the profiles and then I want you guys to send me an email and tell me which attorney you want me to have come on the air so we can have you meet that person and interview them. But we can do more than one, but I just thought it'd be fun to sort of have some um, Autism Live swag to, to um, get everybody started in the new year. So check that out. Um, I think you'll see people have interesting and different backgrounds. Um, David Tolner um, was a litigator who did the whole business lawyer uh, career but apparently didn't like it too much, I'm, I'm surmising, because he started running a special ed school. So he did that for a while in Northern California. 
Jim Sibley was a um, career attorney with the DA's office, and he's a trial animal. And he is uh, very expert at figuring out how to go to hearing and win. Sarah, Sarah Fairchild is an all-time, um, all-around wonderful human being and great attorney. And you'll see in her bio, she's uh, started a nonprofit farm for people with disabilities in Santa Cruz, California. So that's really quite extraordinary. And um, she told me, you know, she moved to Santa Cruz so that she could set up this farm because the whole issue of jobs is really paramount for, uh, you know, young adults with disabilities. Um, Amanda O'Neill is, to me, a very young attorney who has the killer instinct. She's, She's very fierce and very smart, and she does disability discrimination in addition to special education and you know, the more standard stuff. Um, Joshua Cruz um, has a um, litigation civil rights background, and so he, he does uh, civil rights litigation for the office, and he could come on and talk to you about those kind of cases. And then um, Mark um, Wojciechowski um, is also somebody who came from a more traditional background. I mean, a lot of us in special ed, did not, you know, come out of corporate America, but some of us did. And, you know, I think it's really useful to have had those kinds of experiences. I think they, you know, toughen people up as lawyers. So he's a litigator. He's, he's been a litigator for almost 30 years. He's had lots and lots and lots of jury experience. And, um, so he's, also, in addition to the IDEA, he's very familiar with doing special education, disability discrimination, and ADA claims in civil courts. So you'll also see that in some instances, people have talked about their more personal experience with their children uh, in uh, in their bios, and it won't surprise you that nearly everyone in this uh, office of eight attorneys um, has a disability background by virtue of having somebody close to them um, have um, a disability. So I'm not going to talk about people's personal experiences, but you can read it on their bio. Devin Brothers um, is a quite extraordinary person. She started out working at Harbor Regional Center as a service coordinator, and she worked there for six years. And essentially, the people at, at Regional Center and at DDS said to her, you're so good at this, you need to go to law school. So Devin brings a very kind of meticulous focus to the work, and she just knows a tremendous amount about how the regional center system works and how people in these institutions think. And she brings that knowledge to her work uh, in special ed disputes as well as regional center disputes. And I'm lucky enough to work alongside her in Southern California, where she brings her care and meticulous focus to helping families. And I see every day how much she cares and goes that extra mile. So those are the attorneys. And um, I'm pretty excited about the strike force. <laughs> and um, and you can vote. And then we'll, we'll arrange to have uh, some folks come on the air and you can meet them. So okay, bon- that's wonderful. But Bonnie, do you want them to write to you? Um, uh, specifically, or do you want them to write into us? 
right into you. Okay. Just, all you need to do is send a quick one-liner, I want so-and-so. Okay. You can tell what you want so-and-so to talk about. So I'm going to tell folks that you can do that. You can either email me directly at s.penrod at autism-live.com or you can write into us on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, uh, YouTube, whatever you prefer, or on the homepage. We will get all of those and ag aggregate those and get back to you, Bonnie, and let you know who our first guest will be. Right. Which sounds like a fun right. thing. Uh, okay. Okay. We yes. have eight minutes for the question, right? Well, I think we can do it in eight minutes. I think we can. Yeah. Uh, it's a really okay. Great question. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read it uh, for Bonnie. Hi there. I have two questions. My son earns screen time based on his day at school. <coughs> Excuse me. Ever since he's been in sixth grade, they do not tell me how um, or what he is doing. So therefore, we have it set up at home. It no longer works. Can a daily note? Uh, be, uh, be put in his IEP. Second thing, uh, is, is my son able to tell me about the day? He has mentioned several bad days and allergy infractions which were unreported by the school at, uh, staff at school. He knows he can't have gluten or dairy and just yesterday he told me he ate his friend's burger that wasn't gluten free and it was nasty and the teacher did not make him spit it out. Name the teacher by name. Can I, ha can I take my 11 year old son out out of sixth grade, so now we're under the question three. Uh, can I take my 11 year old out of sixth grade and homeschool him for this and up his hours at CARD for educational goals? Are they violating FAPE? And thank you, I'm so disappointed in my son's school. Okay, where do you want to wade in first? Well, her most immediate pressing concern is whether she can take her child out and homeschool him, notwithstanding the fact that he's 11 years old. Does she tell us whether she's in California or not? She does not tell us whether she's in California, but, but she does say that she's a card client. Well, I mean, that could mean she's a client, you I know, know, Zimbabwe or something. That's true. So um, I'm going to answer this according to California law and just know that uh, the right to um, homeschool your children is a state-by-state -state thing and, and different states have different rules. I don't know the other states' rules. In California, there's a very, very liberal definition of what constitutes a private school. And so in California, if you want to homeschool your child, there's no requirement that you be able to demonstrate to the state that you're using a particular curriculum or any type of curriculum at all. You can make your own curriculum um, and so there's really no oversight. There's a very small administrative requirement that in October of any given year, you go into the California Department of Education website and you, um, you file a private school affidavit, which is a two-page form, and it basically just says name, address, name of child, and so on. And then you're good to go. And you're, and you're pretty much on your own at that point. Um, you're no longer um, accountable to any, um, you know, attendance boards or anything like that. Um, you just have to file that application. So what the way that it works is once you file the private school affidavit, your home becomes a private school. And if you want to, you know, you could even name it like... Bonnie's happy, you know, cake 
mixed baking school, homeschool or something, you know, I mean, I don't know, but, but there's really no requirements on you. You can do it however you want. Um, and if you were to get a letter from the SAR board, you would just show them your homeschool affidavit and that would be the end of it. The thing I sense though, is this mom doesn't ultimately want to have to be in the position that her best option is to homeschool her son. She really wants to be able to be in a partnership with a school where there's integrity and there's accountability. So her first question was, can the IEP team be required uh, to send home a daily communication log and tell me what's going on with my son's day? And can the IEP team be required to be honest with me and tell me about things that if they were a parent, they would want to know about their kid's day, right? That's, that's my feel of, of where she's, she's starting now. And she wants to know if she can homeschool in the event that she can't get this sorted out. So she should write them a letter. She should explain why she thinks that these things are a denial of her right to meaningfully participate in the IEP team because she can't really know what's going on at school, so she can't really contribute to the IEP team when there's a discussion about what his unique needs are. There's no law that says they have to send home a daily communication book or that the book that they send has to be um, adequately explanatory about what's going on that day. And we see some people have a weekly, some people have a daily. A lot of them are just kind of going through the motions because they don't want to do it. So they'll put on like some sort of little sticker on the page and say, he had a great day, happy face. And, you know, you kind of want to go and like write, you know, on your own face, a happy face and go, well, that was helpful. Um, that's the hard part. My, my observation, and only mine, is that districts have a policy of trying to make as little work for themselves as possible, and part of that seems to devolve into not filling in parents on what goes on at school because it's extra work for them. And that's a bad attitude, and it's got to stop, and I'm tired of seeing attention being paid when kids are hurting other kids or... or hurting themselves, but, you know, for the good kids who need some extra support too, you know, this kind of communication is very necessary. What's unusual in this situation is her son is actually reporting on what what is going on in the classroom, and, and it seems accurate to me. So I'd give it a try. I'd have an IEPT meeting. I'd let them know that, that, that my son is reporting these things to me and I would not take well he's making that up as an answer I'd be very polite with them I tell them you want to collaborate with them but you're very concerned about the lack of information and we need to resolve this um, now because you don't want to be in a dispute with them don't tell them you're going to homeschool let them think whatever they think maybe they think you're going to file for due process make it so that they have a way to back out gracefully for now and see what happens and keep documenting it and yes this lack of communication could rise to the level of a denial of faith you'd have to have a lot of incidents and you'd have to have a lot of serious incidents but it's it's got to get addressed yeah. you know uh, let me give since i have one minute according to my clock we have we have a child
that had a school observation plan for the day. Our psychologists went out there. The student's regular aide, um, I guess, I'm trying to remember how the facts go. The, 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 the school district had set up the observation to avoid uh, having the observer see anything, which is sometimes what they do. And later she found out she, the evaluator, from the student's aide, who was really quite supportive of the family, that this was not an ordinary day at all, and that they had, you know, really changed his schedule to put him in a better light, and also that before the observer got there, he'd had a huge meltdown with a 30-minute full-on tantrum, and so this was another way in which the observer was not seeing a normal day. So, I mean, I, I'm very cynical in my old age, and I just call them like I see them. They chose to hide this, and they do choose to hide things. And on the other hand, we do these classroom observations where we're like, God, I can't believe they let that happen with us there. So it's all over the map, but my words are integrity and accountability. And I don't think you've got integrity in your situation, and I don't think you've got accountability in your situation, and that's not fair to your child. Great advice. Absolutely love it. And unfortunately, we're out of time. Okay. Uh, but Bonnie, tell them uh, how they can get a hold of uh, Tolner and Associates. You can go to the website. I think everything you need is on the website, Tolner Law Offices. There's the consultation form. There's all the phone numbers, the email, where to reach me. Um, and I'd love to hear from you guys. Great question, and we'll see you next week. Yes, we will. Thank you so much for being with us, Bonnie. All right. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, all right. We will, we're going to take a break, and then we are going to be back uh, right after these messages with our very special guest. If you guys have not yet seen um, the wonderful new short film from Pixar, Loop, you're going to be so excited because we're going to be talking with the director of that short film, the first film that we're aware of that has a leading character who is nonverbal. So stick with us. Hey, I'm Candace Cameron Bray. Tom Bergeron. You're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. You're watching Autism Live. Welcome back to Autism Live. It is my great honor right now to introduce our next guest. She is an award-winning writer, director, and editor. Uh, she is here today to talk with us about her new film, Loop, which is a Pixar short and is, is just tearing it up. Uh, you're going to be very excited to hear about it for a very specific, specific reason, but first of all, let's welcome Erica Milsom, director of this lovely film. Hi, Erica. I, I, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, for those of you, I talked a little bit about this after, um, after the fact, but um, the Ed Asner Family Center had their holiday party and I went to it and they were debuting uh, a series of Pixar shorts and Loop was one of them and Erica was there to speak to the audience. And first of all, we love Loop. We're gonna, we're gonna let you talk about Loop here in a second, but uh, we also love you because you were amazing. You stayed afterwards to do a talk back. And then after that was over, the kids lined up to talk to you. And by kids, I mean everybody from, I think the youngest one was three years old up through adults. You know, I count myself as one of the kids lined up to talk to you. 
Um, and I just really appreciated the amount of time and effort that you put in to meet with each and every one of those individuals. They were so touched and moved. I think we all were. So I, I just had to say, you're the real deal and I'm super impressed. And we were so excited that you had this time to do this. So welcome. And uh, now <laughs> tell us about Loop. Tell us what it's about and where people can watch it and when. it now on Disney Plus. I have to ask, I have to ask this question because the fact that it just debuted does that make you eligible for next year's Oscars? So let me be one of the first people to say that. I will look forward to seeing Loop on the list for next year, for 2021. Um, so, so part of the reason why, uh, you know, we love Pixar and uh, we love good animation and we love a good short, right? But there's a, a bigger reason why we felt like having you on to talk about uh, Loop we believe, it, you know, we're reporting that it's the only uh, instance that we're aware of that a leading character um, is someone who is considered nonverbal. Um, and if somebody can, you know, come up with something, but as far as we're aware of, it is the first time that that is happening. Um, so tell folks, a, I mean, obviously we don't want to give much away, but about, the, the, in particular, this character um, that's that's in the film and what they might want to know before watching. Oh, great. Um, yeah, you know, when I first started thinking about what story I wanted to tell with Luke, I was really thinking about experiences that I've had in my life that maybe um, I had never seen on the screen before. And I had worked at different points with uh, adults with disabilities and young people with disabilities and had been in a lot of spaces where there were very different communication styles at and oftentimes a broad variety of communication styles at play. And I always felt like um, people who are nonverbal have this fascinating way of connecting, you know, but it's a very private uh, language, right? Like it's a language that oftentimes family members, teachers, friends can learn, um, but it's not something that's 
communicate with a person who's nonverbal necessarily. You have to find your way together. And I thought that would be a great story. Number one, I just was like, if you're trying to tell a story, a lot of times in Pixar shorts, there's like non, you know, there's no dialogue. So I was like, well, I want to have dialogue because I like writing character dialogue and I like characters who talk, particularly talk a lot. But I was like, I also wanted to have this character who had a different way of communicating. Um, so when I was first, so that, you know, right off the bat, I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Why is she nonverbal? And I, I think that's a thing that not everybody has thought about in Loop. It's like, you know, she is autistic, but we never say that in the film itself, within the body of the film. Because most people, when they have an interaction with a person who is differently, who has a different set of abilities, they're not diagnosticians. They don't know, you know, that you're autistic or that you have cerebral palsy or that you are, maybe sometimes you'll know someone is deaf if they let you know, but a lot of times we don't know that. We just know what we don't know. We don't know how to talk to them. We don't know how to connect. So that was the original idea for the film. Um, and then we quickly realized we needed to really understand, like, why is she nonverbal? But in order to make a really truthful, honest, portrayal of a character who people could really connect to, we needed to kind of analyze our character and understand that. So that's when um, I got together with a bunch of different parents of Pixar whose children have communication differences and talked about how their child might react to this canoe situation, because I knew I wanted it to be in a canoe. And it was just so interesting listening to parents of autistic people talking about things they knew about their kids and how their kids re would react. And I was like, wow, that would be powerful storytelling, powerful drama. And then I immediately was like, I need to not just talk to parents, I need to talk to autistic people and start to understand how they would experience this journey. So um, that was how I found the idea for the character in Luke, who is a non-speaking autistic girl. It, wasn't, it was kind of a circuitous journey to that. But I'm so grateful that we did choose autism as the reason that she doesn't speak because it kind of opened up this beautiful, you know, this, this I don't want to say Pandora's box, I want to say it opened up a lot of learning for everyone who was on loop, where we got to speak with autistic people, to study different, um, all these wonderful people who are talking about their experience on the internet and sort of start to understand like the different styles of communication, some of the different mannerisms, the different perceptive inputs, the way that they are receiving sensory experience and how that can change your story. It was amazing. It was such a profound process making this film and I feel like it opened a door at the studio that we just, you know, like if you're not making a film about something, you may not have a reason to really start to be curious about it and study it. And then from, and you know, by study, I mean explore and consider. And I think that being creators, the wonderful creators at Pixar, like everyone is so excited about learning and then portraying that, like finding a way to both caricature and animation, but also like visualize and filmically create a story with the new information that we learn from the process of making the film. That's a great answer. And, um, <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> that's great. Um, when you were there the night of the Ed Asner Center, you had the opportunity to watch a room full of people who are somewhere in the autism community. There were parents, there were people on the spectrum of all ages um, yeah. in both categories. And, and you got to watch a room full of people 
watch this film. I'm curious, were you able to notice what was happening um, in among the audience? Because I felt it, but I'm just curious, were, were you too busy watching other things to notice what happened in the audience? It's a loaded question. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. I feel like I loved watching that film with that audience. And on some level, it felt, you know, I've made a couple of other films before, and so the first viewing with a, an audience that you that aren't your friends or your colleagues is always, like, super nerve-wracking. You're like, are they going to like it? You know, and that audience, I felt like it was so great watching it with them because I did definitely feel a sense of familiarity and a sense of affection for the character. Um, and that, it, it just, like, it's calms your nerves as a filmmaker, you're like, oh, okay, I didn't do something that everyone feels like, you know, what did they say about my experience? I didn't feel like that. I felt like a connection. But I'm curious about you because, like, that's just for me. It was, I was so nervous that by the time we actually um, finished, I was like, oh, good, you know, the Sally feel like, they liked it. <laughs> well, I think they... <laughs> I think they, we, more than liked it. What, what was very interesting to me was that, and we watched several different shorts, and, and as I said, there were there was quite a mix of people that were there in the audience, and they were having different experiences and different challenges to be able to sit and watch film after film after film. And there was one person that I was seated, seated very close to who was having a vocalization um, that they were vocalizing throughout the films. And as an audience that's very used to that, we all sort of, that became the hum below the films and everybody just had sort of yeah. accepted that. But it was very interesting that Loop started and we got about, you know, a minute in and everybody realized uh, what was happening, even though some of us already knew. And it was very interesting because everything got quiet, including the individual who had kept the hum going. And I watched, oh, I watched that individual lean closer. Oh, that's so cool. Isn't that's it? That's so cool to know. Wow. And, I, and I feel like we all leaned closer. It was like something magical is happening here that's bigger than all of us. And um, it was... It was so, um, I don't know the right word. I, cathartic doesn't cover it. It was, it was, being, it was being accepted. Um, it was like, oh, we've, we've reached the point where we are accepted enough, our community, um, because everybody fell in love with both characters, the two main characters, and I don't want to give anything away, but I will say that you're very clever. You're a very clever writer because the other character who you know is is having this experience with this young woman um that and the way that their their relationship unfolds is so brilliant because oh, you, you you found a very uh positive way to allow for somebody to say i'm uncomfortable i don't really want to do this this is hard for me uh which is what we're all feeling when we're having to change our mode of communication but but to watch that in this very specific character and to see the transformation, it was just beautiful and healing. I think healing is the word I want. Amazing. Um, so amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I and I, so much. 
Uh, no, I was so moved. Uh, you know, my husband and I were having a mop down, and I think that that was the. I think that that was the response among all the parents that we were like, oh, you know. Um, but to see the young people and their response and the level of excitement. You know, the only thing that I, the thing that occurred to me afterwards, I, re I remember Whoopi Goldberg talking about what she felt like as a child when she watched Star Trek and saw Lieutenant Uhura, a black woman who was in a position of authority, and she was like, oh, okay. That's what it felt like. You know, it's interesting because Chrissy Kababa, our producer, she always talks about that moment. She's a woman of color, and she's like, it's so profound when you haven't seen yourself on the screen very much in life to when you finally do, that experience of being seen is so profound. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's funny because, like, I guess that I am so grateful that that happened, and I'm so excited every time someone tells me that, that they felt, like, seen and that we – not something that's true about their experience. It makes me super duper happy. Um, but I also want to remind people, like, to me, this story was about two fascinating characters who have very specific outlooks on the world, specific points of view. They have specific challenges um, with each other that provide for good friction and, and good, you know, heartfelt storytelling. And that I don't really understand why more characters with disabilities or with differences haven't been explored in this way on the screen, because they are really interesting. Most of us who are storytellers are looking for a space where there's someone who has something strong to give you as an audience, right? Who can really transform your experience of what you believe about the human experience, or who can transform the idea of who you can connect to. I feel like that's a very wonderful and common part of being a filmmaker or a storyteller. And to me, that's what I got from Renee. Like, that's, you know, the, the power of her character was really helpful throughout the whole story. I was, like, very grateful that I got to make that, you know, that I could make that choice. But, um, and I'm grateful that it transformed what people felt about representation on the screen, right? Like, that they are not ignored and, like, amazing to do it through Pixar because we do have such a, a grand footprint in terms of storytelling. So I feel like it was this, that is such a beautiful convergence yeah. to get to tell a small story at a big studio about a group of people who are really present and really interesting and have like an experience of the world that's so, un, you know, so it's something we can all learn from. And uh, I loved that it could be a part of our story. But it's so, you know, so it's always interesting, like, wow, well, I'm not sure why there aren't more of these. I hope that Loop helps people feel like, oh, okay, I could, let me see what other stories there are to tell with characters who might not have the same communication style or yeah. characters who are autistic, who um, have a different viewpoint on the world. And that exploration of point of view as we look forward, and autistic filmmakers and storytellers, by the way, also. Absolutely. That. Thank you for that. I'm excited for that. Absolutely. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, uh, let's. I want to know now about the young woman who uh, did the, 
the, the, the voiceover for this character because she does produce sound. That's a very important part of the film. Uh, although it's not, a, a, you know, a, a language that we are necessarily familiar with until the film starts. But so tell us about the actress that you had doing this role. So you spend all this time, but then when you got to the actual, you know, directing and, and recording her, were there challenges and, and do you feel like maybe you were better at, at meeting those challenges because of your previous experience? Tell us a little bit about what it was like.
Wonderful. Well, we are so excited about this film. And so people can watch this now. It's available yeah. now. And, and the film is called Loop. Um, and I understand that you right now are, you mentioned documentaries, that you're working on a documentary right now that's uh, a behind the scenes at Pixar. Is that correct? Yeah, we're um, pulling together a new series that'll be launching, I think, in the spring. I'm not quite sure when it launches, but yeah, I kind of I rolled off of Loop and then rolled into a new Disney. And so there's another Disney Plus thing. So I'll have a lot of Disney Plus stuff. <laughs> yeah, I... so, but that won't be out for a while. Um, yeah, I like to work in a lot of different mediums. So Loop was amazing experience in animation. And then it's fun to go back to documentary. And then, yeah, I, I like it all. I like all the filmmaking well, we're appreciative of you. I mean, you, you said earlier, I don't understand why people aren't telling more of these stories. And I think that there are lots of reasons why. Um, fear being the top of the list, right? Um, and so you going ahead and doing it, I think, is the most helpful thing that can happen to make more of this happen. And from all the things that you've said, I think that you are unique in that you uh, demonstrate willingness uh, and an, an openness and um, patience. That's what I. That's what I hear from you. The, the level of patience that with, and and the, the willingness to be able to change what's happening and not say my process is the process. An openness and a willingness to look at and the patience to look at what somebody else's process is. And heaven knows we need more of that in the world. So thank you so much. Thank you and thank you for having me on. This is so cool. I really. Well, this, this is a big treat for us, and we're going to be looking forward to our viewers watching Loop. So they can go to Disney Plus and watch that today. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank everybody at Pixar. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, remarkable story. And you guys, uh, watch the film. It's a short, so it's a, a blip of time in your life, but you will be changed. We are going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back to close out the show, so stick with us. What is autism? 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 I've been asking myself that for a very, very long time. Um, let me think about that one. <laughs> trying to uh, just... Uh... Let me think. <laughs> oh man, that's a big one. Yes. Uh, autism. Uh, autism is a neurological disorder that affects many of our kids in different ways. It's a learning disability that affects the cognitive functions of the brain. A lot of people have the misconception that it's a disability, and it's really not. I look at it as like a special gift. When one person thinks differently from another, it's an opportunity for everyone to learn to understand someone that's a little different than them. Autism is the ability to educate. They're given 
So much talent in different areas. To me, autism means a chance to be with and be around people you really care about. Autism is beautiful. It's a way of seeing the world differently. It's always unique, totally intelligent, and sometimes mysterious. Happiness that, that, that comes out of my um, son's um, hard work. It's a movement. Unpredictable. That's right. Awesome. Love. The field I want to work in. Laughter. Fun. Joy. Autism is beautiful to me. I want you to remember these three words. There is hope. Welcome back, everybody. I just wanted to take a moment um, to tell you how much we appreciate you guys being here. Big set of shows this week with wonderful guests. Um, looking forward um, to having you guys write in this week and be participate with us because that's the thing that's most exciting for us. Thank you for being here with us with our wonderful guests. Please go watch Loop. It's a great reason to get Disney Plus. You won't uh, you won't want to miss it. We also love right now the other short uh, float, um, and hopeful to have that director be joining us as well. So check that out while you're there too. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye bye for now. <laughs>